This is Raw Cut. Welcome to Life Burst. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. And we're about to journey through 90 years in 50 minutes. Don't go away. Yes, welcome to Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. And today we are chatting with John. Thank you, John, for coming in and sharing your story with us. That's a pleasure. It is yeah. a pleasure to have you. It is a you. pleasure to come, yes. Yeah, really good. We're really looking forward to hearing. <laughs> You've got lots of stories yes. to tell. Uh, we might not get them in how long? Today. 50 minutes. <laughs> 50 minutes. <laughs> so take us back, John. Tell us where life began yeah. for you. Well, a, a real noticeable one was um, during the war, when the war started, you know, World War Two. Yeah. And where were you? When? Where did you? Where were you born? We were in England then. Right. We lived in England and with my parents. Um, he's, my dad was a policeman. And in the Warwickshire Constabulary. Right. Yeah, big one. Yes, I think that was a significant one because it's one of those things that sticks in your mind. You know, you never forget. So you were alive when the war hit Mm. England. Mm. And uh, so tell us your memories of that that time. Well, one of the things we used to live, live, (laughs) used to travel down into the shelter every night mainly every night because that's when the the bombers came over and uh, if it was a, a clear night no cloud you'd know they'd be there if it was a, a, fo- a, a cloudy night no moon and dark they wouldn't come mm. so if, that's what we used to pray for was a, a a dark night you know probably rain but if it was a clear night you had to go down the shelter because that's where the that's where the action was up the top there, and you were down there. So you were just how old were you in these those years? Uh, it was about five, six. Right, so six, six, five or six as the war came through. Yeah. Now we do have a photo of you back in <laughs> those. Uh, this is incredible, really, uh, knowing that it's going back so far. Uh, this is this is John, age what three or four. Uh, so before those, can you see the likeness? <laughs> <laughs> what an incredible um yeah. there we go hold that up uh to have a photo from back then it's been colored obviously but uh yeah this is you with uh with a toy uh from back in those very early years in yeah. england and later on in life you can see that i i used to know like cars and 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 things like that because the little truck down there look there's a tin one of those tin trucks that you used to be able to buy there you'd there'd be correctables now wouldn't they yeah. yes they yeah. would what a special photo to have, especially mm. being black and white and then it's being coloured. And it's so well. good too, isn't it? It's it is very good. You haven't yeah. changed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about those moments in the war. I mean, I guess there was, uh, you were young, but was there a sense of fear for, for everyone in the community or was, because you were so young, it was just an yes, adventure? It, it, you know, you used to live, live down in the in the air raid shelter right by the way and I, I don't know whether any any of the viewers know what an anderson shelter was but the shelter was made out of corrugated iron like any sheds today but it was more substantial than that and the, the iron went up like that and then it curved at the top and the other one went to it and that was curved and it bolted together and that made your shelter underneath and according to how large your family was um that's the size that you got. You know, if it, ours was a, quite a large family because there's four of us in it, so we got a. We were lucky. We got an extra sheet <laughs> of iron. Right. But for anybody that was a, just a couple, um, there'd only be two. You know, to make the shelter like that. 
Right. And you can either dig them in the ground, if you want to dig the hole and put them in the ground, or you can have them on the top. And like Dav, Doug, Dad, uh, he opted for half and half. So what he dug the hole out, slot, you know, partly in, the dirt that came out went onto the top of the shelter and they put flowers on the top of it to make it look like a garden wow. from the air, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so this is in your backyard. Mm, yeah. yeah. And so every time there was a raid, the sirens yeah, got we went. into there. Yeah. 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 There was one particular raid, one one moment that uh, particularly stands in your memory. Uh, yeah, tell <laughs> us does. about that. Yeah. Well, my, my dad hadn't, hadn't an office. He hadn't got an office. He was just an ordinary old constable, you know. And he used to do typing. I, I don't know what you know what a typewriter is. And yeah, he, yes. If he used a typewriter, it's like the one that came before the computer. Yes. Um, but the keys were similar, same. And he had to do his office work in the lounge. So every night he wanted to do a, a report, um, he had to take the typewriter into the lounge and type away. You know. But anyway, after he'd done all that, he, he hadn't got the office, as I said. So he used to keep this typewriter uh, in the hallway on a, on a table. Mm-hmm. And uh, for, for some unknown reason, Mum used to place her best hat every time she wore it, uh, on top of the typewriter, which stands on the hall stand, see? Mm -hmm. Well, the bombs came one night. One was very, very close. And as you know, with a a bomb, when it explodes, it blows everything out. And the the void that it leaves, it has to come back in again. The air, Mm -hmm. you know, it blows the air away, but it's got to come somewhere, so it comes back in again. And this particular night, the bomb went off, one of them did, and uh, unbeknownst to us, it took the typewriter and the and the hall stand and mum's best hat out into the street <laughs> through two doors, which are on the, in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, we couldn't find dad's typewriter, we couldn't find the hall stand, couldn't find mum's hat. So we <laughs> walked up and down. And there it was in the middle of the street... Still, still, as it, as it was in the hallway. Wow! On the on the hall stand with the hat on it. <laughs> wow! So that's uh, that was a funny thing that was. Yeah, yeah. Where's my hat? She used to say. <laughs> Back out on the street. Oh, it's so out the, in the street. <laughs> just from the shockwave or the yeah. the, the uh, oh, yeah. wow yeah. yeah. So you, uh, <laughs> what an incredible time to have lived through. Oh, as, yeah. uh, your formational years as there a youngster. There were some funny things happened, you yeah. know, but yeah, I'm sure a lot were. of that weren't funny, of course. Yes. Yeah. Could you hear the planes and things going yes, you over could. at night time? Yeah, yeah. The, there were four-engine uh, planes. I think they were a Heinkel or something like that they called. I've forgotten that now. Anyway, but anyway, they used to come over in waves, like squadrons, I suppose they would have been if mm-hmm. we'd have looked up to see them, and you can hear the humming of the of the engines and warm, 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 like that synchronised, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when they were turning to to come into the bombing run, the engine one sided rev up, warm, 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 as they came in and dived in, and then the, you hear the whistle from the bombs, and then the explosion. Mm. But a lot of the bombs weren't. High explosive bombs. They were incendiary bombs for, for causing fire. Okay. And that's what Coventry got. Right. There's a lot of it. Lot, well, it had both. But a lot of them were incendiary bombs and they did an awful lot of damage, like they did to the cathedral. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so you were you were in Coventry. Where, well, where we lived in, in actually in in Nuneaton, which is a little town close to Coventry. Right. But the, we caught the back end of all the bombs. Right. Okay. And where is where is Coventry uh, in relation to London around? Uh, oh, for those who don't know the area, be about ninety miles, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Because in Coventry, as you probably know, there's lots of little towns and villages scattered all over the place. Um, they're not all big cities and, you know, a hundred uh, miles away like there is here. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So, wow. yeah. The... You've got some photos as well to share for those who are watching uh, on YouTube or on you, television. You so we've got a photo of you, uh, your two brothers. This would be a few years later. Um, yeah. uh, so tell us about, you had some siblings. Your brother was one of them. Uh, tell us about your family. Well, I say dad was uh, in the police force. Mum was um, home duties, as you call it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, I used to, well, I started work on, on the farm uh, and that was hard work because uh, it was early morning milking and we didn't have milking machine in those days. You, you know, you were the old hand thing. Doing hand gestures yeah, right now. Hand yeah, action, <laughs> hand actions. Yes, yeah, the milking. milking the cow. Yeah, yeah. and um, and that's how we how we got the milk. It went into the cooler, of course, in the in the in the dairy on the farm to cool it off, and then they uh, went into a big churn, and then the, the trucks came and picked them up in the morning. You know. So you were no stranger to hard work as a youngster. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Well, we will come back with more Life First with Matt and Sarah chatting with John straight after this. If you like what you're hearing, please write a review of this podcast on your podcasting app or you can share this on social media. Welcome back to Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. Today we're chatting with John and we've got so many more stories to get through in the remainder of the show. But we did leave everybody on a picture of your siblings and we forgot to mention your sisters. Mm. Tell us about your sisters. Yeah, I've got two sisters, or did have. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, Christine and Betty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's surprising how the years go by, you know, you, you, you tend to part and they all live in England, or did, and met my Betty, the one I married, uh, and we all came out here, and that was where the division was, you know. Mm, mm. But we still used to contact each other, you know. Mm-hmm, it's good mm-hmm. that, that way, but it's not like personal touching, is it, you know. It's different. Yeah, yes. it's different. Yes, yeah. that's right. Okay, well, since we're now talking about Betty, <laughs> tell us how you met Betty, your late wife. Oh, well, she, we used to go to the village hall dances, you know. Yeah. And you've probably heard about the dances in England in the village halls, and they're, they're, they're quite, or used to be quite popular. I think they still are. Um, and I used to look at this one, you know, I thought, cool, that's she's not what she is. Right. Yes. <laughs> you can say this now because she's in heaven with Jesus, but yeah, it's okay. All wound up, you know. <laughs> right, yes. Was she wearing a really beautiful dress? Yeah, we, and... used to go, we used to go square dancing quite a lot. Okay. As well as ballroom dancing, but and the sweat used to pour off us, you know, on a, on a warm summer's summer's night right. when you're doing this uh, square dancing. But it was fun. Yes, it was good fun. Okay, okay. so you you looked at Betty and you 
Yeah. What 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 happened from there? <laughs> how how did, you, did you go over and talk to her on the first time, or did you watch her for a bit, or? And then it happened. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you got the story right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was good. Yeah, she was. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll come back to Betty. Um, well, but the best. along the way, you, you didn't. You weren't milking cows um, no. for, forever. What did you do? After well, I, that? I started work outside of the farm uh, in the in the car factory like a lot of blokes did, you know, okay. because Coventry was the home of the motor car right. before the war and uh, they changed the munitions during the war, to, obviously, and then, of course, after the war they all got back to cars again. Yeah. So I got into the car factory at the Humber, Humber Car Factory, and uh, the Humber is a, a limousine car, I suppose you'd call it, um, and they, you probably heard of the Hill, Hillman and the uh, Sunbeam and all those. They're all English cars from that one factory. <laughs> so I decided when we got when we came over to Australia that I was going to have a Humber. Okay. <laughs> so I did. So how did that happen? How did you end up in Australia? What's that story? Well, my friend that I was working with in in the Humber factory, he came in one Monday morning and he said, "Well, John, I'm off to Australia." I said, oh, are you? When are you going? He says, well, we've got all the paperwork done and uh, we're only waiting for the, the date. So I said, oh, that sounded good. So he said, well, when I get to Australia, I'll still write to you. So he did that. And he got a, when they got to Australia, um, they, they got a house in Holden Hill. Mm-hmm. You know where Holden Hill is? Mm. And it was all built up now. But in at Adelaide, that time... Yeah. They were just building, mm. you know, same with Elizabeth was all being built. And um, he wrote to me and, and I thought, oh, this sounds all right, you know. So I thought, it's out to bet. I think we'll do the same. So we did. <laughs> and we, we did all the paperwork like he did and, um, and it, it all, everything went through. We had our medicals and all the rest of it and then... Uh, on the day that we, we landed in Australia, they were there waiting for us. Oh, <laughs> oh wonderful. So yeah. by plane or by ship? or how No, we, we went by boat. I think we've got a photo of, uh, yeah. of the particular uh, uh, ship yeah. that you, you took as... Uh... Our, our son was 16, 16 months old then, and um, Betty was so scared of, of letting him loose on the, on the deck you know, but the deck was all netted in, mm-hmm. so it couldn't go to, couldn't fall over the side. Mm. But uh, she still was always on edge, you know, when he was let loose. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, uh, well, let's let's keep keep with those years. Uh, we, we've you've come across with Betty and the family, so we've missed a step in between. Uh, yes. That, uh, that was my bad. I just got at excited. some point you at some point you got married to so we do have a photo of your wedding as well which yes. uh, and your bridal party this was back in England before yes. you came yes and uh yeah beautiful yeah, day it, it was a good day yes. yeah we got married in uh, Wolvey Wolvey Church village of Wolvey um because Betty came from from there and a lot of the people on the wedding photo came from there also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we used to go to dances there too, you know, in that in Woolley Hall. So uh, yes, that's a, that was a what a memorable day that one. And this looks we like our, it was we had our, um, our honeymoon in London, <laughs> in a hotel room in London. And, and it, when we got there, <laughs> there was a single bed. 
<laughs> so they quickly ushered us round to the lounge to have a have a drink, you know, while they changed the bed. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All these funny things that stick in your mind. It's strange, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And where did you settle down after you got married? We settled down in, um, we had a flat in, in Parkholm for a start. And I said to Beth, I think we'll, we'll have to move somewhere. So uh, we, we, somebody was doing a, a, a tea, I think it was, up in Ichunga. And we were invited up there. And oh. uh, that's how we fell in love with Ichunga. <laughs> oh, so this is, once you were in Australia. What about yeah. after you were married back in England? Where did you, where did you settle? Oh, we settled in, um, well, we weren't there all that long. Yeah, okay. So no. it was fairly soon. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. And during the war, what did you do? What did I do? Yes, yeah. so, so, during... yeah, so we, we've uh, we've jumped another step. So I know. We, we'll, we'll go back in time and we'll, we'll uh, have a bit of time to focus on this. Right. But after after the war finished, uh, mm. you were enlisted. You you went into uh, some form of service. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Because you were working at the time. Yeah, um, I was working, and um, my put my brother Frank, he were, he was of, of uh, service age, which eighteen I think it was. Like uh, he got called up to the army, <clears throat> and um, I thought, cool. When I thought about it, he's. He's going to get all over the place in the army. I thought, well, I might do that. So I, I volunteered. Okay. And uh, Frank and I went through all our army career together. Right. Yeah. We've he got, got called up and he, he was sent to uh, abroad. Of course, I went with him. <laughs> it was great. And we've got these fantastic to, photos. To uh, Egypt. Of, oh. Yes, of you and your brother uh, lined up before you went off, uh, standing in front of this beautiful yeah. Uh, car, which was <laughs> the Rover, right? Yeah, mm. and then uh, you you both went across to Egypt. You were stationed there for a bit of yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. We went by plane, and we we uh, it took us in a coach, of course, all together in a in a, um, a Stansted Airport. It was in near London, Stansted, and uh, it was a an army plane, well, a, one that's been commandeered for the army, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It was an Avro York, which was the one that came after the Lancaster bomber. So it looked a bit like the Lancaster bomber. And he, the Lancaster bomber's got two tails, two two rudders, mm-hmm. but this one had three. There's one in the centre for some reason, stability, I suppose. But anyway, um, we sat there at Stansted Airport, in the plane, and the it was Scottish Airlines. And she came out, we had an air hostess too. Wow. <laughs> and she came around just before takeoff with a tray. And I thought, gee, we're going to get drinks, you know, but we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they were wads of cotton wool. Yeah. Now, you see this tissue that I've got rolled up here? It was similar to that. It, we had two of these each. Yeah. And we had to stuff them in our ears like that. Yeah. And the, 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 um, Lolly was to suck when you after for your takeoff, you yes. know, so you're swallowing for your ears for your ears to make them pop. Mm. So we all sat there and the engines were starting up, and um, I looked up the up the aisle like this, and it, it was funny. <laughs> you see all these all these grown fellas with all these water cotton <laughs> sticking out of their ears. Yeah, wow. 
So, uh, but we landed in, we went off and we, night came and we landed in Malta. Now, I'd never flown before, I don't think I'd, at that time, I'd never flown before. Mm-hmm. And as we were flying, we were up fairly high, not, nothing like they are today. But uh, looking down at the Mediterranean, there was Malta, a little dot on the on the water, you know. And I thought, well, how are we going to land in that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, of course, as it got near, it, it got bigger. But uh, yeah, so we did land in that. We had a meal, and uh, they refueled the plane. Of course, I suppose that's what the stop was for. And then uh, off we went again. And the next morning, we landed in um, Fade in Egypt. Okay. Well, that's a great place to pause because uh, <laughs> you, you had some uh, interesting experiences in Egypt. So yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. hear more about those. We're chatting to John with Life Burst with Matt <laughs> and Sarah. Hey, did you know this show is available in video too? You can find it at rawcut.com.au. Thanks for joining us on Life Burst with Sarah and Matt. We're chatting to John. And, John, you've taken us through explosions during the war. You're uh, working at a dairy and then building cars. And then uh, you're enlisted for service and uh, you've just taken a flight and landed in Egypt. Mm. Uh, so we've got some beautiful photos of that that time as well uh, yeah. that we've, we've, we showed earlier. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, How did you find it, landing, hitting the, the ground in that? Well, you, one, of the, one of the things that stuck in my mind, I, I, you, you don't realise the smell. Right. Because um, Egypt's hot, as you know. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, the cabin door opened, and, of course, the hot air wafted in, along with it, the smell as well. <laughs> That's that's one of the things that did hit me was that I didn't realise it was going to be like it was so hot, yeah, yeah. and so smelly, right? Yeah. And uh, as you can see from the photos, you you weren't put up in luxury five star accommodation. You no, were... we were in big tents, yeah, yeah. And uh, one one day we had a big storm. Now you think of Egypt as being hot and dry, which mm. it is normally. But um, one particular day we had this storm. I don't know where it came from, but it did it. It just, the heavens just opened and, and down it came. And in no time at all, um, it was, we were up to our knees in, in water, see. And that was our signal stores. I was in the signal section of the, of the army. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in a, like an indent in the, in the sand, big, mm-hmm. big hollow. Mm-hmm. And of course it all filled up with water, didn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. And our signal stores was part of that. Mm. Of course, all the, all the signals, um, radio sets and everything were in the water. <laughs> so we had to quickly form a chain of blokes to try and take everything out before it got really sodden, you know. Yeah. Mm. So you're suddenly you're training and uh, your time <laughs> over there was redirected into That's the right. emergency yeah, relief. It came in handy, you know, in all the training, all the running around you yeah. had to do. Wow, yeah. so so that was an, an eventful time. It was. And what did you do uh, as a part of the training and your time over there when it wasn't flooded? Well, just outside of Faid, Faid it is, Faid. Um, it's not all that far from Cairo. Uh, it's quite close to the um, Suez Canal. Um, and alongside of our army barracks, there was a huge sand dune in, in all in it must have been really solid sand you know because it, it did blow when the wind blew but uh, it didn't blow it all away i tell you 
-hmm. Anyway, um, they used to give us the job of running up and down that training. Okay. <laughs> That's hard work. It, it, was, was it ever? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you had had all your kit on, you know, your, your backs on your back and everything. And a lot of us got worn out doing that, you right. know. No, up you go again, you know. Wow. <laughs> if you'd been a naughty boy. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. there, it wasn't, you got to see some pyramids, but it was hard work being over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we saw the, we went in the pyramids. Um, that's unusual, the pyramids, because, well, it is unusual. They're, they're, as you know, they're, they're massive blocks of stone, sandstone. And how on earth, in, in a place like it is, where did they get it all from? There's no quarry there mm. that's visible anyway. Mm. And they've been there for thousands of years, haven't they? Yes. The pyramids. Yes. So where they came from, goodness knows, but the, they were they were bigger than that television set, long yeah, yeah. and square, you know. Yeah. And they're so accurately cut. Um, when they built the pyramids, as you know, the, 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 the edges are straight to make the pyramid. Um and everyone fits. Mm -hmm. There's not one that's, oh, that's a bit out, you know, it's about a line, but no, everything fits. Mm. And uh, we had a, um, a trip to the pyramids, of course, one one weekend it was that the sergeant got us a trip to the pyramids. So we, it was great. And when we got there, there was this, as they call themselves, was was on the, standing by the, by the coach, he says, "You, you give me, you give me acres. I climb pyramid." We thought, "Oh, go on, you know, because they're tall, aren't they? They're a bit big." The pyramid, mm. yes. Mm. You no, know, he says, "You, you give me acres. I climb pyramid fast." So we thought, "Oh, we all gave him some money, you know, in a, in a hat, and gave it to him, and he looked at it. Oh, all right, I go." Okay. <laughs> yeah. And he went up one edge of the pyramid just like a monkey. Yeah. And when he got to the top, and it didn't take him long, he stood on the on the very point of the pyramid and waved to us all like this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, what a one way to make yeah. a living. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. So some fascinating experience, eye opening for two young lads there, yeah. you, you and your brother. Yeah, uh, and you returned from service. You you got back into work. You you met Betty. Mm. You already knew Betty, but you mm. you got married. She waited for me. She waited. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> And uh, and as we've shared, you you were therefore you got married, and it was soon after that, uh, with your your first child, you mm. decided to come across here to the great Southland, yeah, to, to, Southland. to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, as you were saying, you uh, had some friends who lived up in the Adelaide Hills, and mm -hmm. uh, there was a draw to to come up this way. It was, yeah. We used to come up on a, well, not every Sunday, but we used to come up quite regularly, you know. And they lived up there in uh, Holden Hill. Right. And then, of course, after that, we got settled down and thought we were all settled as a group, you know. They came one day and they said, look, John, we, we've got to go home again. I said, well, what's wrong? He said, oh, she can't stand the, the heat. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Adelaide so that, heat. Yeah. yeah, the Adelaide yeah. heat in the summer. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they decided they were going to go home again, and they did um, on a period of time you know they've got to get all the paperwork and everything done yeah and uh one sunday they said well we're leaving next week so we've got to go so we had to see them off on the plane they went back by plane and 
and that was the end of that. So uh, we've we've been over, back over and seen them since, but they're both dead now. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so lots of years in between. Yeah, lots mm. of years in between. Yeah, it was good fun. So we do have a picture of uh, you and your <coughs> your late wife Betty here. This is oh, a um, beautiful picture of uh, yeah. lots of memories attached to that one. That's right. Yeah. So at that point you were in Australia, mm. your friends had left. Yeah. and uh, Valerie Chunga took that picture. It's good, isn't it? Right, yes. Yeah, so yeah. you moved to the Adelaide Hills. Mm. You you decided to make the move up, up yeah. into the yeah. uh, the colder climate. Yeah. Up of the, of the... <laughs> yes, I was about to say. Yeah, and we haven't uh, we haven't left them since. Right. Yeah, now we like it up here. It's nice. Um, of course, we're, we're not in any Chunga now, but we're up at Mount Barker, which is not all that far away. We had to sell the house. Well, we didn't have to sell it, but the, all the kids flew the nest as they do. And uh, the one that we built was solid brick. Now, we do have a photo of that. Yeah, So you didn't just, solid. you've got some practical skills behind you, yeah, uh, you're building cars yeah, and things, but yeah. you, you helped to build this house Yeah. in a Changa. Built a big blocks. Yeah. yeah. Inspired and, by uh, the pyramids, perhaps. <laughs> 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 Not quite that large. Well, that one's a bit out. <laughs> so you built that. That was your your family home yeah. based in the hills, and you had a few more children. Uh, yeah, along we the had way. Two, uh, two. Well, we had three. Mm. Yeah, Paul, the boy, and um, Lauren and, uh, and Nicola. So yeah, we we decided to give it a go. You know, so they're they're quite happy. One one lives in. Um, Lenswood, she's a uh, orchardist. Do they call them an orchardist? Got an orchard. That sounds like a good word. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, she married a. a, a well, it's not don't sound right, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> Got an orchard, and um, Paul, he he's uh, truck driving, has been for a long while, and. Um, my, what, who's the other one? <laughs> Tim. <laughs> Tim, Tim, yeah, he's he's just retired actually, but he's got a job. He, it was strange that he got a job offered to him on probably on the on the day that he retired, because <clears throat> my Betty was in the nursing home at Handorf, mm -hmm. and uh, the boss of the Handorf came to Tim one day and said, uh, "Would you like a job?" And Tim hadn't thought about it. He he just retired, but he. He wanted to know what it was, and he said, "Well, I'm not climbing any ladders, and I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing that." And the boss says, "Who offered him the job?" He said, "Well, it's fine if you want to. If you don't want to do that, don't do it." He said, "But we're offering you a job as a as a handyman, you know." Mm. So they so got the job. Yeah, so he took it, and he's had it ever since. That's great. Well, yeah. John, you've got lots of stories to share, <laughs> and uh, more still to come. We're chatting to John here on Life Bursts in Australia. Juvenile arthritis affects 1 in 1,000 children. It's a silent yet common condition. Kids Arthritis is here to help support these children and their families. To help them, go to kidsarthritis.org. This has been a raw cut community service announcement. 
Welcome back to Life Bursts here with Sarah and Matt. We're chatting with John today and I'm going to say this is definitely an episode that if you're listening to this via podcast or radio that you definitely need to head to our YouTube channel and watch this episode because there's so many pictures, so many hand movements, so many things that have been happening. It's definitely an episode to worth checking out there instead. Just type in Life Bursts with Matt and Sarah. Now, John, we've got some pictures of your cars and hobbies and things that you got up to, but what did you do for work when you came to Australia? Work? Work? <laughs> What's that? I don't know. No, I, start- <laughs> I, started, I started, well, I got a job on a uh, poultry farm at, in Ichunga. Okay. And um, I was there for 16 years. Right. Yeah. What does one do at a poultry farm? Or do I Poultry. not want to know? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, they were. It was a, a breeders' farm. Okay. And um, I, I was in charge at the time. I was in charge of the food, so I had to do all the mixing of the food, which was in a, in a large shed with big silos. You know, they weighed everything out because mm-hmm. it was everything was weighed. All the all the, uh, the the corn and the meat meal and all the rest of it into the food for the chooks, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, that was my job, and it was a good job. And I had to go to uh, various silos, like down in Tail and Bend and those places, with a with a big truck, and fill up with it and bring it to the farm to to do do the mixing. So that was my job for a while, mm. mixing mixing food and, and putting it out. Yeah. Yeah. I could imagine you doing that, like being with chickens and stuff. <laughs> Did you ever get attached to any of them and take them home? Oh. <laughs> you know you know how to make a chook cake and... Um, Saying. <laughs> <clears throat> you can uh, mesmerise a chicken. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Yeah. No. Tricks of the trade. How do you yeah, mesmerise a chicken? You, you catch the chook. Okay. Like that. Yeah. With its wings closed, right? Yep. And you put your your hand on its head, yeah. cover its head up, and go round and round and round <laughs> like that. <laughs> like a washing five, machine. Like five or six times. Can, you, can everybody see it? Round and round, <laughs> yeah, and round like that. Yeah. And then just stand it there like that and release it, and it'll stay there. Right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And we used to do it with, with its head under its wing. Put its head <laughs> under its wing like that. Yeah. Close it up and do the same thing. Round and round and round, four or five times like that, and it just sits there. Amazing. <laughs> How go. did you bring it back? Just knock it over. Oh. <laughs> just knock it over. I get up and walk, and I walk around like that and wonder what had happened, I suppose. Oh, the, the things you learn along the way. Well, there you go. There's a, That's there's part a of chook farming. Yep, yep. Got to learn the tricks of the trade. Is that what you did when you were bored, was it? Just go pick up a chicken and back. No. <laughs> Along, alongside your work, you were able to keep up uh, some, a number of hobbies, and yes, uh, some of them drew you back to uh, to cars. Yeah, where you started. I've always working. been interested in in uh, cars, as as everybody probably knows. But um, there's one one that was interesting me, and it was a uh, I used to deliver, like I said, chuck uh, food to the farms, and I noticed this one. This relic, it was, away from the farm building, but it was stuck underneath a blackberry bush or weeds and that growing through it. Mm-hmm. And it was a rusty old thing, you know, it didn't look any any good at all. Mm. And I, I looked at it and I thought, 
found its found my way into the blackberries and it showed me the radiator of a, of a car which I'd never seen before and it was um a, a curved shaped radiator and the and the radiator itself was like a honeycomb v shape not a flat radiator it was v shaped like that mm-hmm. and um I thought well that looks interesting so then I lifted the bonnet up and there wasn't much left of it actually it, it was all rusty but the framework of the car was timber, wood. Uh, and what's left of the metalwork that was on it was all rotten anyway. So I thought, I looked under the bonnet and it said, Henry Meadows of Wolverhampton on, on the engine plate. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now Meadows, not Meadows in Ichunga, in South Australia, Meadows was a, a firm that made engines for cars mm-hmm. back in England in the way, and they also made um, stationary engines for, for farm use, you know, mm-hmm. well, for um, grain elevators and all yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I said to the farmer, do, you know, is that any good? Do you want to sell it? Oh, no, it's a cheap rubbish. Wouldn't sell you that. So... Uh, I left it at that for a while, and then went back to it for some some time later, and said, "Look, uh, sell, sell it, sell it to me. How much, how much will you do you want for it? Oh, give me fifty bucks." He says, "Fifty bucks." Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. Fifty dollars I gave him. Right. And I got a trailer, mm-hmm. and the, the wheels wouldn't even go around. They were solid. Right. You know. Right. So you're probably helping him out by giving him, yeah, getting rid yeah. of it. And he said. Well, if, if, with that fifty bucks, he says you you've got to clean all the all the rubbish around it. Like there's a bit of metal over there, and another piece over here, and an old wheel somewhere else. So he said you clear the site of all the bits and pieces. He says you can have it for fifty. So that's what I did. Yeah, and I took it back to uh, to Ichunga, where I, I'm going to blow my nose if you excuse me. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> <laughs> took it back. Took it back to Ichunga, and. Um, I left it at the side of the house. This is on Mariana Street, mm-hmm. where we lived. And um, all for a while, it just sat there, you know, and I thought, I must do something with this. So I started on it, and each piece of rotten wood, I took away from the what was left of the frame and labelled it and put it out so it didn't get damaged anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was the framework of the, of the body, or mm. what was left of it. Mm. The actual panel work was rotten anyway. Uh, when you touched it, it just crumbled up, you know. The wheels were had been sunk in the ground. They were wooden spoke wheels, by the way. It was sunk in the ground that much that the bottom, when we shifted it, the bottom was rotten of the wheels. Hmm. So um, I thought, gee, I've got myself a problem here. <laughs> anyway, uh, the engine itself was seized up, but it was all complete. Mm-hmm. And the chassis was got surface rust on it, but it wasn't rotten, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there was bits of old rotten leather that was on that was what was left of the seats, and the seats were all sprung with with springs. Yeah. And they were all rotten. You, you squashed them up like that, and they just broke. Oh. You know, the wire of the of the. Of the now we we just showed a picture for those who are watching, uh, which is not the same car. It's another car project you work on, but I have seen photos of this. 
Mm. Uh, when you say there's really there was not a lot left, there really no. was. It, it was, uh, it was rotten. To someone like me, I would uh, yeah. uh, think it's a completely... Well, everybody no. that saw it, <laughs> as it was, they said, you're mad doing this. You know? yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, it's... I've never seen a Meadows engine before. Yeah. And, and probably some a lot of people haven't. Yeah. So that's where I took it on. <laughs> so you put a lot of hours, a lot of love, a lot of uh, probably some expense into this project. Ten years. Ten years, Ten years. of project alongside working and, and other things. Yeah. And uh, well, when we come back, I think we'll, uh, for our viewers, be able to see a photo of uh, completed, the completed product, which is beautiful. So don't go away. This is Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. Raw Cut is also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter with the handle RawCutAU. Welcome back to Life Bus here with Matt and Sarah. And we're on our home stretch of our 90 years here in 50 <laughs> minutes on Life Bus, chatting with John. Now, I'm excited to see the final product of this car that you spent like 10 years working on and bringing back to life. Mm. Yes. Let's see it. You can catch this on our YouTube channel if you're listening to this via podcast or radio as well. So you just head to a life burst with Matt and Sarah. Let's see the picture of the car. Look at that. There Beautiful. we go. Now, this is a real classic car. What, mm. What's a, it's a chick? A chick. A chick. People say a chick. Never heard of one. And it's true, but a lot of people haven't. But it's, oh, yeah. it was originally made in England uh, by a fellow named of Clarence Chick. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was in the army in the early First World War, and he, they were um, injured badly apparently during the war. Mm-hmm. And when he was recouping, him and his mate decided that when they got back to England, they were going to build a car, right? Because okay. it was in the early days of cars, everybody would got push bikes then, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what they decided, and they found they sussed out all the plays of the components they could get and uh, they ordered uh, 50 I think it was altogether 50 engines 50 whatever 50 whatever and uh, they got back to England and started up this this um, firm and they they built I think there was 50, I don't know whether they completed 50 or not but they built a few anyway and um, they were quite quite Big cars, as you can see, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm. uh, limousine almost, you know. But um, this was this was the one that I I found. Yeah. So it, imp- as it is now, it's it's yeah. beautiful. But as it was, it was absolutely wrong. Well, no, you've you, seen it. You showed me some photos <laughs> of uh, it. Really yeah. was uh, yeah. uh, uh, well ready for the junkyard. I would have said. Yeah. But you. Well, we found it in a. In a in a blackberry bush yeah, so it, in Macclesfield, <laughs> and I, I thought, well, what, when did it? I don't even know how it got there, but gra- it did. A great find, and for those who can't see, it's uh, it yeah. painted beautifully red, restored, <laughs> and uh, it just looks as good as new. It's like mm. something that uh, yeah. would have been worth a little bit more as you sold it than fifty dollars. Uh, oh yeah, past, hard yeah. to part with. Well, if anybody wants to see it now, mm-hmm. it's it, go when you go over to Wollongong. Yeah, it's in the um, life Museum over there. Oh, there you go. Oh, wonderful. Mm. Okay. That's lovely. Yeah. Well, well done. So if any of you get on your travels to go to Wollongong, go into the the uh, Motor Life Museum mm-hmm. 
and it's there. All right, lovingly restored. Yeah. yeah. Now, you, this wasn't the only vehicle you worked on. We've uh, shown no. another procure <laughs> as well. You and your friend Bob are uh, working on you, You've created a convertible. Yeah, well, Bob Sexton and, and Joan, they're friends of ours, yes. of mine now. Um, he's got a, a, a Morris uh, 1000, mm-hmm. or did have, he, he sold it now, but it's Morris 1000 anyway. And it was a it's a factory built convertible, factory made convertible. Okay. And uh, this one that I've uh, made, it's not a factory built one, but it, I, I made it as near to the factory as I could. But it wasn't the Morris Thousand. The Morris Thousand has got the headlights up in the top of the guards, okay. you know, built into the mud guards at the top. Mm-hmm. This one has got the headlights down in the grill, radiator grill. So yeah. that's the difference. They've still got V V windscreens, V shaped windscreens, mm-hmm. and other than that, they're much the same. But um, he, uh, we, well, we, I decided I was going to make it, make it like Bob's. So I got the tape measure out and took a lot of measurements. You, the, the, the secret is you measure twice and cut once. <laughs> yeah. <I> always say. <clears throat> so I had to. I looked at it and took photographs of it, and I could see now that there's metal got to go over the top of the windscreen. It's not just a windscreen sitting up, and that makes it into the convertible. No, it's got to have something solid to pull the pull the hood down onto. Yeah. So I measured uh, up the windscreen, and and there's about that much metal above the windscreen, cur- curved metal, before the roof starts, and um, I measured that and marked it out with a texture. Measured again, and then one day I said to Bob, "Well, we're going to cut the roof off today." Oh, <laughs> Bob says, "So I've got the angle grinder, and uh, it, it, you can't, you know, if you make a mistake, it, that's the end of it." <laughs> well, there's a lot of welding to do, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but anyway, so I decided this is going to be it. So I, gr- I gradually went along the line of, of, the, of, the, of the roof, straight across the top. That that, that led it free from. The windscreen they had to, had to cut the door pillars off to release it from the rest of the body. Yeah. And Bob was on one side and I was on the other. And I said, "Right, Bob, I'll just grind the last bit off to release it." And that's what we did. And of course, it wanted to fall then, didn't yeah, it? And yeah. so we had to catch it. Yes. And and it stood there. And he was one side and I was the other. And we got it balanced in our hands. And what do we do with it now? Now <laughs> <laughs> So we walked to the back of the car before we could get it away from the car he couldn't lift it up. i couldn't have it on my side because he was on that side so yeah, yeah, yeah. Move, it, move it along another labor of love yeah so you had had some good years uh in yeah, that, in that yeah, vehicle it, it, it worked well yeah. and um there's an upholsterer friend of ours he lives in macclesfield and he did all the upholstery on the chick and the uh, and the other one mm. So uh, yeah, it all worked out well. Yeah, <laughs> and of course you've uh, you've got some great friends that you've built along the way uh, as you've yeah. uh, gone through these years that you've worked with as well. Uh, we've got a, got another photo of your uh, some of those friends and your mm. your, your brother mm. who came and, and visited. Yeah, uh, he, he and, came. Uh, Frank and uh, and his wife came over from England when I said that we're going on the Beta Birdwood run with the chick. Ah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and the first run it's ever done. So. Um, they uh, spent a lot of money and came over. Yeah. And it was great because they, they, we had to dress up in, in the uh, era 
costume, you know. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. He wasn't just uh, in overalls and all that sort of thing. So we tried as a, and I think Bet had to get a hat, buy a hat out of a second-hand shop somewhere and, <laughs> you know, how you do. And and it uh, the picture of them, I think it's a picture of them where they sat at, just before the beta bird yeah. would run started. Fantastic. Yeah. So you were able to really enjoy that vehicle yeah, before you got yeah. rid of it uh, in in some yeah. in some real. Everybody, when we were on the run, you know, blowing the horns. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, that's right. Right. <laughs> that's fantastic. Mm. And yeah. you've shared so many pieces of advice along the way, John. Um, but is there advice. one? Is there one piece that you would share in the last minute of our show? Um, well, yeah, I, I think looking at the at the chick. Um, I think a lot of people seeing it as it was would give up, but never give up. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Took me 10 years. <laughs> yes. But you didn't give up, but, John. But, uh, yeah, it was worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. So my advice is, never, you know, you try something and you think you you want to like to do it and you can't, never give up. Fantastic. Well, John, thank we you so much that. for sharing. Thank That's great advice. And there's lots, really lots of elements yeah, of your life. It. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. There's uh, 90 years there to share and yeah. uh, you've. Uh, I mean, there's lots of stories you haven't told, but um, I, I yeah. love the yeah. Uh, yeah, the example you, you've been and, and the, the things you've shared through there. So thank yeah. you. Thanks for being with okay. us today. Thank Thanks you, for having John. Me. Thank you. This has been Life Burst. You can catch up with us wherever you get your podcasts from, as well as on YouTube and Facebook, community television and radio. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. Thanks for joining us today. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman, with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshra Ozadigan. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. This is a raw cut production.